What's up, everyone? It is 2022. Last year in 2021, I was a little more sparse on episodes. This year, I'd like to pick it back up and get some great ones out there. I've been enjoying the podcast and I just love talking about writing. And that being said, I do conduct a writer's chat every Wednesday at 6 p.m. EST via Twitter Spaces. So if you're online, come follow me at Fourth Wall, that's I-V-W-A-L-L, and join in the discussion. Also, be sure to comment, subscribe, and leave reviews via iTunes, Spotify, or whatever your most preferred podcast host is. Lastly, if you have any questions you want to answer on the podcast, have authors you'd like to hear on the podcast, or anything else, just email me at contact at fourthwall.com. Thank you. You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. Kevin Scott is an author and comic writer best known for his works on Star Wars and Doctor Who. Some of his works include Jedi Lost, the Star Wars The High Republic comic series, Star Wars The High Republic Rising Storm, Doctor Who The Ninth Doctor, and Sherlock Holmes for Titan Books. He also has a freelance comic series called Shadow Service, which was released in 2020. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing Podcast. I am your host, John Robinson IV, and this is episode number 23. With me today, I have Mr. Kevin Scott. How you doing? I'm okay. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to yeah. be here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm super excited. We were just talking right before we came on how I, I usually end up uh, talking to all these Star Wars writers because I'm such a Star <laughs> Wars head. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, in, in, in comics, co- comics kind of also have a have a hold on me there. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, there's a lot of comic writers that I that I interview as well. But uh, you you write both comics and novels. I do. Uh, so, I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, we yeah, we can, we can actually let's let's open up with that a little bit. Uh, okay. Um, that's that that's that's kind of a fun topic. How, how, what do you what do you feel about the the different the mediums? Uh, you know, b- between working comics and 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 novels. Uh, do you do you have a favorite, and do you have a, a different approach when it comes to like structure or or, pre- or preparing or actually writing it? Um. When it comes to a favourite, I mean, that's really tricky. It, it depends what I'm writing. If I'm writing a novel, I can't wait to get back to comics. And if I can't, I'm writing comics, I can't wait to get back to novels. And mm. um, I think naturally I find comics a little, it's always dangerous to say this, but a little easier. It comes a little bit more naturally. Um, I think I, I find writing novels harder work because they are work and, and sometimes you're, you're writing the mire of it. Um, and I suppose the 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 obvious difference is that a novel takes a long, long time, um, you know, and you've got a lot of work to build into that. And then the drafting process and the, and the redrafting can take an age, depending on the length of the novel. Exactly. Comics are quick um, because of the nature of the beast, especially if you're working in, you know, for the big two, working for Marvel or DC, that, you know, you've got a schedule there that's baked in stone and can't be broken. And, you know, you have to make sure you get the script and then get all the re- rewrites done so the artists can start work um, and the process can continue. So by their very nature, they're quicker. Um, and I, I do like the collaborative nature of um, 
of comics. I, I originally came from radio drama um, and magazine work. Um, oh, nice. So yeah. I was used to working in teams. And so when you're working in the comic, you are still very much part of a team um, if the comic's being run right. And so yeah. it's a collaborative um, means of storytelling. Whereas novels, obviously, you have editors and you have people involved, but it's largely you sitting there hammering out words or writing out longhand or however you you, you write your novels. Um, so by its very nature, it's, it's, it's a far more solitary occupation um so i i do enjoy the collaborative nature of comics um and just getting that little boost where you're right. you know there's those mornings where perhaps you you are dragging your feet a bit and you turn on your email and suddenly there's pages from your artist um or there's you know character designs and it just gives you that that thrill it is an absolute yeah. thrill um you know and you can see someone else realizing what you you came up with um, um or you came up with together because some a lot of the time you you plot and plan together anyway um so I, I i do enjoy that element of it i mean again on the flip side there are times where i quite enjoy the solitude of writing a novel when i know that i'm i'm not gonna have to go into my email and firefight a situation that's come up because you know <laughs> there's been a problem with the art or the, the schedule's gone out the window or an approval system has fallen down um so yeah i mean it's one of the it's one of the reasons I love doing what I do because I do write across different mediums. I still write radio. I still, I, I've started to write television recently. I, I, I'm writing novels. I'm writing books. So I, I, I can keep things fresh by yeah. jumping. And I, and, and I'm very appreciative of being able to do that because I know that's some, not, not something a lot of people can do or have built into their working environment. Um, and it's something I'm always trying to maintain because I find it so helpful that I can say, right, I'm struggling with that. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to stop and I'm going to move over into this new medium. And that could be the, the you know, it could, it's the refreshing um, shift I need to get the creative juices going again. It's the palate cleanser, you know, it's, it's, right. it's having to think with a different part of your brain. Storytelling is storytelling, no matter what media right. is. And, and I think creating stories is, is the same, you know, from a, from a very basic point of view, of course, each different media brings different tricks um, and also different ways you have to think about um, writing stories. I mean, when you're dealing with comics, the very nature of how many panels you can get onto a page um, mm -hmm. where um, things that people don't really think about, but you know, you don't, you never, a comic is a series of cliffhangers. You know, if, you, if you're going to try and push people through the story, largely adventure comics are one cliff after, after one cliffhanger after another. Um, and you've got to work out where to drop those cliffhangers because you don't want it on um, a certain page, you know, you always, you, you never want a big reveal on the right hand page of a comic because everyone will see it when they turn over the page. You always want it after a page turn because that's the only way you, in a comic you can really shock someone. It's very right. different, especially when you're writing a horror co comic or something. You can have jump scares on screen or, or audio so easily. You can even work them quite easily into a novel um, by building tension and then releasing it with a comic you have to make sure it's after a turn of a page because otherwise the surprise is blown completely because of the way people read comics um so it's all those kind of things that when you've come up with your story you then have to think okay so how are the how is the reader or the listener or the viewer going to experience this and so what's the best way of getting the story across to them and how can i make sure i'm taking them on 
that journey in the best possible way that I keep the surprises coming. Um, and I don't blow the story for them before it's even begun. Um, so that that's where the differences come. It's, it's in the method, methodology of how you're getting that story across. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I was just actually talking about uh, the difference between different different mediums and things you can do in certain mediums and things you can't do in others. And um, yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think you make a very good point. I mean, since I since I started writing comics uh, versus, you know, uh, prose novels and stuff like that, uh, like I, I, I immediately. Well, first of all, whenever I read comics now, I can't not count comic panels. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of a natural thing as I'm reading, I'm, I'm kind of like calculating how many panels are on this page. We all do it. Yeah. <laughs> how many panels are on this page? How, how large are the panels? Um, the, the size of a panel can create tension. Um, mm. um, I, I absolutely love that. I, t- I, t- I talk about that. I, d- I did a small, uh, uh, workshop on, on, uh, writing comics in terms of mm-hmm. the, like the intros, uh, intro to writing comics. And that's, that's yeah. one of the things I discussed. I just love how, the 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 just the size of a panel creates so much tension. Like a, like a picture a large panel with a single word on it, and that word denotes tension between the two characters that are there. You know, um, yeah. like it's it's, it's it's there's just so much you could, and it's so different from like TV or or novels. But uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, there's there's moments and there's things on TV. I, I I think a friend and I were just watching some clip from the old Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It was so campy, yeah. but it was so good. You know. Um, I believe it was Kara Knightley and Orlando Bloom's characters. They were like fighting the, you know, the, the zombie pirates and uh, like professing their love for one another or something like that. And I was thinking, I was like, man, this would never work in a novel, <laughs> at least not in no. that way. But it works so well on screen. Um, <laughs> and would probably work in a comic as well, because the one thing that you can do in comics is have people talk in fights, which is the only mm-hmm. time really I think you can get away with it. So exactly, um, you know, because yeah. especially with superhero comics, obviously we're just used to people having entire conversations as they're smashing each other through walls, um, <laughs> because because you've only got twenty pages, and you and most of those comics need a fight or need some action, and you've also got to get across the. Um, the information about the story and it's the, mm-hmm. you know it's the one thing the first thing you're taught you know don't just have info dumps have you know your information portrayed through action and boy can you do that in comics um you know so and it's the, the kind of thing i mean i do it the same I, I read comics all the time and i'm forever i'm mean, to stop myself from going my wife's always saying to me you're counting the panels aren't you i was going yep um because it's just <laughs> and and sometimes you go you you, you go you're writing something, you go, oh, I can't get over six panels on this page. And then you, you go back to a comic and you go, hang, hang, hang on, have they done this? Because there's like nine panels, 10 panels, <laughs> 11 panels. Um, and sometimes you can really play with it. I mean, there was one comic I did that something had 16 panels on a page. Yeah. I mean, it was for a very specific thing, which was a lot of different talking heads. Um, and it was actually on a spread. It wasn't, it wasn't on a, on a, on a page itself. Um, but again, I sort of like, you, you know the rules to break the rules and you have to learn those things so you can, when you do something like that, you can't do it all the time and you have to do it to make an impact. Um, and also you don't want to do it too much because you never want to, you want to break rules, but you also don't want to break your artist. Um, and that's one thing writers can do so easily. And I'm forever having to apologise to my artists in the comments. <laughs> it takes me a, a minute. Back in the days when I was writing Doctor Who, it was very easy to say a thousand Daleks come over a hill. Mm-hmm. But the artist has to draw every one of the bloody balls on those things. And so, you know, you know what they're going to have to go through. Right. Um, so you have to bear that in mind. And again, that's all part of the 
the, the tricks of the trade. You have to learn what you're asking your artist to do because um, it's so easy for you to type these words and <laughs> it takes so much time for them to draw it. Right, right. Re- really sitting down and visualizing it is, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a task. <laughs> um, yeah, and also, but not leaving them the the freedom to to have a creative input as well. The last thing an artist wants to read is to open a script, just like for a film script or a TV script. The last Mm -hmm. thing a director wants is all the camera angles, you know, written into a script. You're getting across the feeling of the story. And yes, sometimes you can get get a bit technical. I think in my early scripts, I, I was too bogged down in trying to, again, give camera directions. You know, it's, you've got to give the artist freedom to bring their own storytelling to the um to the piece and and sometimes well actually all the time that gives you something that you didn't even think of you know and and it keeps it keeps every part of the storytelling um fresh and and right. and when you get the art back it's spring it, it's a springboard for new action in future issues because you suddenly realize especially if you're working with an artist over a period of time well hang on a minute i know what they can do and i know how they'll interpret that so i haven't got to try and enforce my work you know my will of how i would interpret it onto the story because again it's a partnership right, it's yeah, not yeah. a dictatorship yeah yeah um uh, yeah the collaborative i mean it's it's such a it could be sometimes tenuous to balance um mm. it's, it's better when you know the 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 person you're working with better oh um, absolutely definitely <laughs> um I, I know sometimes me me being like relatively new in, in indie when I'm, when I'm writing a script uh I have to write it with a certain level of detail because I don't, sometimes I don't know who's even going to draw that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just working on the script at the time and, and, and um, you know, uh, like I'm hoping that I'm getting it, it properly across to whatever party may end up taking up the project. Uh, mm. But, uh, but no, uh, so, so one thing, so we, we talked a little bit about like the, like the different intricacies between the mediums. And I think that's such a great conversation yeah. because there's so much, this, I mean, we, I mean, honestly, that could be an entire episode on its own. But, um, yeah. but uh, I, I, I kind of also want to talk. Like you mentioned something that's very key earlier that I also mentioned on earlier episodes of the podcast, which is that um, across whatever medium, whether it's comics, uh, um, movies, uh, movies or TV, uh, novels, uh, even 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 yeah. games to an extent, um, yeah. how, how you write the story in a game or characters in a game. Um, <clears throat> Well, uh, we, we talked about the differences, but you also mentioned that there's, there's a consistency and one of those key consistencies is, is, is story. Um, I want to see, uh, if you'd like to elaborate a little bit on what are some of the, like, just kind of, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, what, what are, what are the, what are the key, uh, what, what, what stays constant, um, no matter what medium you're working in? Well, character is, is king and, uh, or queen. I think that's the, that's the constant it's the and and whatever you're doing and i think when you're at whatever part of your story whenever stories go wrong i think it's because you've forgotten that there's characters in the middle of it um and structure can get so plot heavy um so quickly um and that's when things start breaking because you you sort of forget that these are people making decisions and those decisions are having an impact on the plot rather than the other way around. And, and so um, whatever medium you're looking at, it's funny because we, we do get as writers, we're taught whether you're taught, um, you know, fish by going to college or, you know, in a, in a, in a structured way like that, or you yourself taught, 
you come across, you know, all these different structures that you should follow, the hero's journey, that you know, save the cat, the the three, um, three act structure, the five act structure. Um, and it's very easy to think of those as being plot structures and plot foundations. Um, and I think it's something that uh, another a great comic writer, um, Scott Snyder, who, uh, if you read comics, you'll know of for the last few years, yeah, has been writing for DC, Batman, now sort of like venturing out on his own a bit more as well. He always says that, you know, the three-act structure, the story arc is never, you know, it, you've got to remember it's a character arc. It's not, you know, when you when you look at something like the Save the Cat structure, um, which I think I, I never think is the be all and end all of a story, but is, is a useful tool you can use when you're starting to try and see where where things are going. It's they're not talking about plot points; they're talking about character points. You know, when you talk about the midpoint for of the character, that sort of dark night of the soul. It's obvious. It's in the title. You know, it's the dark night of a soul. It's not the dark night of an, a series of events. You know, and right, right. so <laughs> I think that. It's whatever you're doing, it's taking that step back and asking yourself, am I remembering here that a character is going to push this on? It's not going to be, you're not going to be just presenting something, well, I don't think you should be personally presenting like a history textbook, you know, with this happened and then that happened. And then on this date, this this event happened. And, you know, a good story is about the people who are experiencing it. And that's why we get invested. And that's why... Um, we want to come back to stories again and again and again, not just because of the amazing things that happen. And set pieces can be spectacular, but I think the one thing that gets my goat more than anyone, anything is where you you hear someone say, well, this thing happens in the story because it's awesome. And you go, well, yes, but why, <laughs> why, why is it awesome? Because it's happening to other people. You know, you still have to, uh, just by just saying, I'm doing this in a story because it's dramatic or because it's awesome, that, you don't, you know, you don't get a whole pass for me for that. You know, yeah. you still have to know why that thing is awesome for the individuals, you know, and, and I think people always say, you know, the most important question a writer can ask is what if, and yeah, absolutely. That is the spark of so many stories. But I think the, the, the important question you keep have to come back to is why, why is this happening? Why have they made that decision? Why are they walking into the room? Why are they saying that? Um, and I think it's that's the question that runs through every story, no matter how you're telling the story, no matter which medium you're using, it's the why, because that's what keeps the story going. And that's what keeps the story relatable and believable. Um, because as soon as you forget that question, that's when people start losing interest in characters. And when they lose interest in characters, they lose interest in your story. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I mean, honestly, that the why versus what is is so profound. I, I, I really like that. Because um, yeah, you're right. You're right. What if is the is the common question, but the but I think why is like the question under that question. You know, like I think I think you I think we hit what if first, and then we yeah then absolutely we need, to, we need to yeah we need to remind ourselves to ask to ask why. Um, I mean, whenever just, I get stuck, whenever I have a problem in one of my stories, it always comes back to I have I've not asked that question. Yep. You know, um, and again, that's when you you realize when you haven't asked that question, that's when you're you're starting to mold your characters into plot rather than let your characters lead the action. Because, you know, mm-hmm. um, why is that person doing something? Because the story needs to the story needs it to happen. That that's not good <laughs> enough. You need to it, it, sometimes that is absolutely what needs to happen. I need the story to do this, especially if you're writing in someone else's universe or, you know, or, or doing license work or something quite often you get shopping lists of stuff that you have to do but as a writer you have to work out 
why why the characters in that to make it a natural occurrence rather than something that's sort of like been dropped down from on high. Um, you know, it, there has to be, the motivations have to be real. Otherwise people won't come along with, for the ride. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's such a, that's such an important point as well. Uh, it's, it's so easy to in your head, write down, well, uh, in this story, a, a volcano is going to go off and, you know, the, the characters are going to do this and the government's going to respond in this way and it's going to create this state mm. of the world or something like that. Um, but then when you get to that point, you have to make sure that the reason the characters are making whatever decision that they make that that help, you know, propel that along um, or, or they make sense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and. And I think what, what's what's really I think one of the most powerful pieces in 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 the um you know the the kind of back and forth between characters and plot is what I think what makes the plot interesting itself and the the, the big grandiose events that happen interesting itself is how the characters respond to it and the decisions they make yeah. during those events and and really yeah. really knowing them and why they're doing that. Um, I want to make a, a quick call back to. Uh, Jedi Lost. I know. I, before I mentioned, I love that book. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but but in but but in Jedi Lost, there is uh, Ventress is a is a very key character. Um, and uh, oh, hold on, let me make sure I'm not mixing up books. There's there's several. <laughs> there's, I've I've read so many so many stories, mm. but no, no, I believe, but I but I, but I believe, uh, yeah, Ventress is is a very key character in that yeah. book. And, she, I, and, and I, I don't think that she's I mean, don't get me wrong. She, there's other books. Uh, I, I believe Doctor Sacrifice by Christy Golden as well, yeah. uh, in which we explore her and, and, and who she is in a, in a, in a, mm. in a really well-meaning way. Um, but but we we see, I think, an even more vulnerable uh, Ventress in in this book where she's under Dooku's uh, hand or tutelage or however you want to describe that, and kind of understanding her from that perspective and then seeing why she responds to certain events and 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 makes certain decisions is it, it just it, it makes the things that are going on so much more profound as, as well as as well as uh as well as dooku you know some of the decisions mm. uh young dooku makes you know throughout the you know different parts of the story so i i i think uh i i think i, I think what i what i want to get at uh question question wise is uh what are some of the ways that you can make people really, uh, or, or, or not, I don't want to say make, but, uh, I guess lead people to, to become, uh, invested or attached to, to these characters, um, that are making decisions that drive the plot along. It sounds really obvious when you say it, but you, <laughs> you make them relatable. You give them small moments, you know, you give, especially when you're dealing with these, big larger than life characters that come from these kind of films or, or whatever, or these kind of stories. Um, Dooku was a great example. So people, if people don't know, D- Jedi Lost was a, an audio drama that I, I wrote a couple of years ago. Um, I was asked to write the story of why Count Dooku, who's a character in the prequels of Star Wars, played by Christopher Lee, the great Christopher Lee, um, who's sort of um, the person who, I mean, he is the person that, that, kicks off the um the clone wars and he's a former jedi who has become the uh, a sith um and is a politician and and i must admit a character that i never really identified with you know or never really <laughs> um i thought i found my i have a complicated um, relationship with the prequels and 
Dooku, I was so excited because I'm a massive Hammer Horror fan. If anyone follows me on Twitter, they know how much I love horror. So for Christopher Lee to be in Star Wars, it was, you know, it was the, after having Peter Cushing, this was the obvious choice, you know. So, and then I was so disappointed when I saw Dooku because I didn't really feel we got much of the character. We got it more in the Clone Wars animated series. And then I was given this chance to write the story of, not Dooku as a Sith, but also it, the story of why Dooku became a Sith, why he left the Order. Um, and actually, that was the main thing. Why did he leave the Order? Because the two things aren't actually linked together in, in, in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways they are. And I had to sit, go back and ask that question, why? Because I didn't know. I couldn't really work it out. And and I realised I needed to try and make Dooku who is a terrible person in the prequels um, from a, a, moral, a moral point of view. I had to make him, I had to make the, the listener who was going to spend six hours with him learning about his past. I had to make them like him. So it would obviously break people's hearts at the end when, when they realize where it's going. But also it was an understanding that when you look at the character in the wider canon of Star Wars, he must have been a very good Jedi for a very long time. And people were people couldn't believe that he turned away and people couldn't believe that he'd become a Sith and they couldn't believe he was responsible for all the terrible things going on. So I had to make him likable. And the way I could do that was by giving him a best friend, which luckily the story of Star Wars had already baked into it with the character of Cypher Dias. And, and, but that relationship had never really been explored. And, so through the story, I could really drill down into what made that friendship work and why these two people who were perhaps could have been very different and come from different backgrounds, but now had the, the joint life uh, of becoming a Jedi from a very young age and being taken from home and, and, and trained from a child, which again is something that I don't think we bear in mind much with a Jedi, that that, that could be terrifying exactly, um, yeah. <laughs> for children. Um, that you could really see them as people um, and uh, you could take them back to literally take them back to children who are bantering, who, who are um, able to sort of burst each other's bubbles when they need to be, who, who can get, who know each other's idiosyncrasies and enjoy them um, while others might find them annoying. And yeah, so for me, that was the, that was the only way I was going to be able to tell that story. And sometimes it was the smallest moments. It was Dooku training with a bird to, to sort of try and learn how to do um, animal bonding within Star Wars, which is a thing that some Jedi can do. They can sort of, um, they can uh, identify themselves and bond with an, with an animal, which is something I come back to so many times in my Star Wars writing because it's something I find fascinating because um, I think it says so much about, I think, how we deal with animals it says, it says so much how about how we are as people um and so that's something i explore time and time again and so it's through moments like that when you see characters doing the most normal things in the world the things we understand um and i come back to it time and time again when i i watch films and i i read comics and i read books you know these these larger than life characters the moments that that we get them is when we see them doing the things that we all know. You know, we will never understand what it's like to be Superman and be able to 
depending on which film you watch, turn the planet round backwards so time goes backwards, even though that's not how science works. <laughs> um, we will never understand what it's like to be able to fly and, and go up into space and, and do all those things. But we absolutely know what it's like to fancy someone and, and they, they can't even see you. Um, but they're in your life every day. We understand that, which is why we love Clark Kent, which is why we love Superman. You know, we know what it's like to to lose loved ones. So that's why we love Clark Kent. Um, and that's why Superman is real to us, because he is Clark Kent. He is a real person. Um, and we've had those smaller moments when he's desperately trying to impress Lois and mucking up on every turn. Um, and... Again, I always come back to that scene in, um, I think, Superman, um, when he is about to be interviewed by Lois. Uh, And and Clark Clark turns up um, after Superman's been interviewed. And you see that wonderful moment where Christopher Reeve takes off his glasses and he just changes his body language and he becomes Superman and then crumbles back down into Clark Kent. And we feel for him so much at that point. Um, And it's little moments of that that make those films. Um, which I know is taking me on a completely different tangent, but I think that's why I think Superman is such a great example for this because it he is a larger than life godlike character who is also the one of the most human characters in comics, um, and that's why we love him. Yeah, yeah. I I think a lot of the time when when people dislike a movie or book or uh, I think usually I think it turns up in movies more more so than than books because mm. books have such a a longer time to to express um mm. or, or for people to get to know characters and whatnot um but sometimes you know film you may have a limited you know this movie needs mm. to cut off at this you know time stamp or whatever it's you only have so yeah. long to to do it um and, and, and same thing with comics depending on i mean you may have a, a comic run or you may have a limited series and you have only so much time to um to, yeah. to express these characters and we are we already talked about panel counting uh we got to make sure we can yeah, yeah. fit it somewhere like how many panels is it going to take for <laughs> to make somebody uh, understand this character um but but no i, I no i think i think that that is e- extremely important in, in terms of uh the, the small things the small things i mm. think the small things are the biggest things um I think the the biggest thing that can throw somebody at, well at least for me uh, I I won't speak for everybody but I think it I think it it does uh extend to a a large population that are people even if a plot is cool even if there's cool special effects in a movie even if art in a comic is is amazing even if it's funny even if there's all this other stuff going on if we don't feel connected to the characters it's just not going to feel good to us you know yeah. um where I mean sometimes we may not be able to put a finger on what it is like well, I don't know what it is it's off about this movie, but I just don't like it. And mm. and it's it's the it's because we don't care about the characters, and we have to be able to relate to the characters on some level. Um, I I, th- I think that's why uh, another random thing to bring up, but it just popped in my head. I, th- I think that's why we love uh, Black Panther so much, and mm. uh, Killmonger being v- very villainous, but also understandable is such a Absolutely. powerful tool. You know. Um, like it's such it, it hurts, you know, that he that he does that he's he's a bad guy. He does the things that he does, um, but 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 at the same time, we like we under like he explains and we understand his struggle. We understand his his issue, and, and the same thing with Black Panther and his father in the movie. Uh, we understand that, uh, or, or or T'Challa kind of has a revelation that that mm. him and his father were making mistakes by by keeping Wakanda closed off in some ways. You know, um, like they're there's just so much to explore in terms of like, like, yes, there's a big plot, but how you interweave that with the characters and then, and then how you give the characters just these, 
just these small moments is is so so important um yeah I mean, you know, again, you can look it through every major franchise, every major story. Um, we we don't love Captain Kurt because he snogs every woman who comes in his path or he can blow up Klingons. We love him because he's friends with Spock, <laughs> you know, yeah. and McCoy. And those are the moments that actually I think you get the most out of. And, you know, without them, the end of the Wrath of Khan would mean nothing. You know, it would... it So you even the most... And I don't use... I hate using this phrase because it means it makes it sound like I'm um, well, comic book characters, you know, and I, and I, I love comic books. So, you right, know, right, I don't right. want to de- degrade <laughs> with the idea of a comic book character, but those sort of larger than life characters, your Captain Kirk's, your, your, your James Bond's, you know, they, they, mm. they need the vulnerabilities. And, and some of those vulnerabilities aren't always nice things as well. When you look at the, literary james bond you know it's it's he's not a nice character but you know again he he has the he's not the character that we got to know in the the films and i I love those films but you know um you know he's a character who hates what he does largely and and he follows the finer things in life because he has to find something to give his life meaning and that's why you get you come on board um so again yeah it's always finding about those it's again it sounds so simple when you say it um but it's so easy to forget you know that you're trying to create real people here um with everything that means and and it's so easy to just go i need to get to the next set piece i need to get to the next set piece especially when you're working in um thrillers or action um or horror or or anything like that um you have to take a step back and again ask why um, and ask why should people care you know you you ask questions of like what do i want to make the reader feel and you know and and, and there's lots of different tricks and, and and methods you use to make sure that you're leading the character the, the readers down that route but yeah you you've got to keep asking especially when you're working on something where you're asking someone to come back in a month and read the next issue or whatever um, or to pick up the next book in your series you know why why am i asking these people to come back what can they expect for it yes a lot of that will be they expect to see certain things within the action they you know they you know when you pick up a star wars book you expect to see spaceships and droids and you know and 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 all the trappings but actually that's not what makes a good star wars story what good makes a good star wars story is the characters and the general heart of star wars and the tone of star wars and the message of star wars that's what keeps people you know coming back um and and that's what makes the story you're telling worthwhile right right absolutely absolutely uh yeah i want to so i mean we're we're talking a little bit about uh character and um we kind of circle back around to star wars and it's it's something i want to talk about since since we're doing we're doing so so we we kind of have one major piece probably the most major piece which is why um how to make characters uh or i'm sorry the question of why how to make characters uh, relatable, um, whether it's uh, via using the small moments or making them just relatable mm. as people, something that we can understand um, as opposed to somebody flying around the, the planet backwards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, there's also, I, I also want to hit on the the other part of this because there's like, it's, oh man, writing is so complex and I love it. Uh, so <laughs> so, we, ha- so we, have these, we, we have these characters. We're like, okay, we got to make it relatable. Give them small moments. But then yeah. you have to balance that with moving the story along as well. Yes. And I think, I think one of the things that help us do that is structure. And this is where I want to kind of mm. hit a little bit on the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you and, um, and, and, and uh, Charles, Charles and, and Daniel and 
I don't, I don't, I don't want to miss out the name. I believe Christy, Claudia, and uh, Justina. Uh, oh, well. Claudia, Claudia, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah Claudia, uh, uh, Justina, yeah, all, all the people who are involved. Um, yeah, you know, between the books and the comics, it's so well structured. Uh, and I, and I love, I love structure. I love like that's. I think when it comes to stories for me, one of the things I'm a biggest fan of. Uh, I mean, I, I like small fitted stories as well, but I think one of the biggest mm. th- things I'm a fan of is when things connect well. You know, mm. I just there's something about it, like. You know, if I'm, if I'm watching the old, I don't know, it could be Planet of the Apes. If the old Planet of the Apes mm. somehow connects to the new Planet of the Apes, I'm happy. You know, if if the old yeah. alien connects to like, uh, uh, oh, oh, well, it didn't really connect properly, but Prometheus. <laughs> <but, laughs> Sorry, let's not go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, okay, let's just say before I watched Prometheus, when I had the yeah. feeling, the idea of yeah. it connecting, <laughs> um, it made me happy, you know? So yeah. like whenever something connects well, uh, it, it just makes me happy. So High Republic, all of it, all the characters are lovable. They're all new too. It's so they're so fresh. You got Vernestra Rowe, mm. we got Elzar Man, Avar mm. Chris, I mean, all these characters. Um, Yoda mm. kind of linking us to like, you know, we, we know he's an old character, we all love him. He, he's there. Um, so all of these things connect. Um, and but now we have to figure out, all right, so we so we gotta make these characters relatable. Um, but we have to also implement them in a story that that helps drive forward their character development. Um, and give mm. us an interesting plot and make it, you know, whether if it's mm. Star Wars in this case, Star Wars, you got to give them the droids, yeah. you got to give them the lightsabers and the and the force abilities. Yeah. Um, and the High Republic, I believe, uh, does that that pretty well. Um, I want I want to see if you, if we could talk a little bit about uh, the structure in High Republic and how the characters move through that structure. Um, I mean, some some people who come to mind is, is Marshawn Rowe, excellent. Yeah excellent character i don't even know how that was processed i don't know who created them i don't know if you guys created them together i have no idea how that worked um elzar man he became a kind of out of nowhere in rising storm not, not out yeah. of nowhere but he was there before but like he really kind of came to prominence in rising rising storm um um like whoever it is i i, I kind of want to dive into how uh what 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 that structure looks like or how do these how these lovable characters the characters that we come to love are fit into this larger structure or or i guess in martian and rolls case maybe not maybe love is not the right word but uh, <laughs> but he's he's very there's very always someone who loves it that is one compelling character like martian Rowe absolutely blows my mind and i'm just like wow um <laughs> but yeah uh, if you want to talk a little bit about how you, how you fit these characters into this structure and what that structure looks like sure i mean it's I've never been any involved in anything as complex as the High Republic. And so we have we have an overall, not even a thousand foot view, we have like a million foot view of, of what the High Republic looks like from beginning to end. We yeah. know <laughs> we know where it started and we know where it's it's ending. Um and we know the major points that we have to hit to get it there. Um and that's where the fun begins, really. So, I mean, that's one of the first things we we set out. Um, and there is Mike Seglain at Lucasfilm has this big, long, I think you can see a bit of it in one of the documentaries we did for um, Disney Plus, um, the Inside Disney. We've got this big, long um, timeline, which we obviously only showed a little bit of. And, and it rolls on for the entire um, length of the story and also the entire length of, of the project which, you know, has got a number of years in, involved in it. And we've got these three stages that we've talked about, these three phases of it. Um, 
so we've worked out that general structure um and that that is actually very plot related i mean it's you know so we know there are certain key things it's still related in character that we knew we know the motivation that has driven those parts of the plot but then we can start um zooming in um and we can start taking out strands of that storytelling and going, right, so which part of the story is the kind of story we can tell in a young adult book or we can tell in a middle grade novel or we could tell in a comic or we could tell in an adult novel for Del Rey or all the various different parts of storytelling and the different media we're using for this project. And that's when you can start going, right, so which characters would be best or actually which characters are least suited to deal with the problem that are going to face. Um, and, yeah. and um, you also have to think when you're dealing with something that has different ages involved as well, that there are certain, some of the stuff I told in the rising storm, which is the novel that came out um, a few months back now could not be in a middle grade novel. There is a middle grade novel set during the rising storm that deals with it in a very different way that Daniel wrote. Um, but there was certain events that we could not put in any other format because it's, it wouldn't be right and appropriate for kids. Um, likewise, we have a junior series of comic books um, that Daniel writes for IDW and the series I write through Marvel, which is definitely a, a lot older. And so that's when you, you you sort of take, that's another part of the onion that's been peeled off. You know, we, we know we can tell that part of the story here because we can get into it more there. Um, or, you know, that's a, a part of the story that the kids will under be, able, uh, be able to understand. But also we hope that people are going to come in and, and pick up, a, you know, a children's book or a middle grade novel or whatever, um, whatever age they are, because it's, it's a different way of telling a part of the story and seeing a different perspective to the overall story, which is important when you're dealing with something this big. Um, and then, yeah, you then you you do have a little bit of point when you go, well, I want to use Venestra in this story. And you go, oh, you can't because I'm using Venestra in this story. And we start bartering <laughs> between each other. Um, and that's when the fun fun part comes because um, there are moments when you can't use the character you want to use and you've got to try and find a creative way around it. Um, or you go, right, well, I can't use Venestra. Well, them and the L's are probably would be really wrong for this kind of story, but that's quite interesting because how would he cope in that? Um, and so everything you start, you know, you start getting closer, you start bringing all these different conversations in. Um, and that's where the fun really starts happening because that's where you, you, you know, again, you know, at that micro level, there are certain things this story needs to do, but um the fun bit is working out the best way for the characters to run through those moments. Um, and you're writing stories at the same time as other people are writing stories. So there is a certain moment where I will, I can write something and we've got a, a Slack group that we all are all on and I can go on that and say, oh, I've just done this. Um, does that cause anyone any problems? And Daniel goes, yeah, it really does. And you go, ah, okay, well, I need to do that. And you, then we have to go away in a little room and, and sort of like virtual room in recent years um, and, yeah. and work out the most creative way to get around it. And, and again, that's where the best ideas have always have come from so far with the, with the High Republic, because um, just like in a story, conflict is where, you know, an initiative comes and, and so when you have moments when you realize well we've got a wrinkle here we really need to iron over or do it actually just wrinkle it up even more and and 
And those have been the moments where the best moments for us as creators have come, I think. Um, so yeah, so you've got, it's, it's a, it's a juggling act. Um, and it is also, there is a lot of, you could, we could not do this, just make it up as we went along because something yeah. would go very wrong very quickly. Right. Um, and we haven't got the time for it to go wrong either. You know, this is a train that's moving now, so we have to keep it going. And so, um, yeah, so we we have we have treated it like that. We've we've got a wider plan, um, which is absolutely like you know history. Yeah, that's the history textbook bit. That's the bit in saying on oh, this year this thing happened. Um, but we've built into that. Well, we know where we're going, and we know which points we have to hit. We've built in enough flexibility that we can also discover along the way, and we can be surprised by our characters, and we can be surprised to how people reacted to certain parts of the story, and and. So it's it's he- heavily structured, it's heavily planned, but not at the um, not in a way that means that you we all you know we're still telling the story and the story's evolving as it goes. You know we we're not um, we haven't already written every page. You know we're still doing all the things that writers love. We're still discovering things along the way. Um, those moments of um serendipity pop up where actually go oh hang on but that relates to that thing we've planned for two years time mm-hmm. um and then you can start building in so those connections you talk about um some of them are very much planned as uh, you know from the off others we know we need to find a solution and the solutions will present themselves as we're writing um and then you have another level on it when you just get, have fun going, oh, actually, I'm doing this. I can sneak that bit. And there's a, a moment in Tempest Runner, which is the latest audio that I've written for the High Republic, um, where there's a nursery, a nursery rhyme sang in the back of a scene. And it's very much a throwaway thing um, in the audio. But that came from it's a nursery rhyme that Daniel was putting into a comic, which has a massive bearing on stuff that's coming in the future. Um, and when he was doing that, I was saying, oh, I've got a moment in my radio play when I could absolutely have someone singing that. And he was like, yes, do it. Because, again, re, you know, listeners who've listened to that radio play heard it and probably thought nothing of it. Then when they picked up the comic book last week and they saw the lyrics to the same nursery rhyme, they, you know, it would be a jolt for them. And those are the bits I really enjoy of all this, where you can start layering in those little connections. Um, and it's as long as it's not a um, obstacle for people who haven't heard everything or seen everything, you know, it has to be a reward for people without being a stick to beat people with if they're not keeping up. It's a really difficult um, uh, line um, to to walk because you could get it so wrong so easily. And um, we've all seen these big sprawling stories where actually after a few years time, there's no way you can get into it without going back to the beginning. And we're trying to have lots of jumping on points with this as well. So yeah, we've given ourselves a challenge. And, and hopefully so far it's worked. Um, but it's something that we're going to be thinking about in the future as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, honestly, I think it has been working. Um, uh, I, I've seen everything that I've seen from High Republic has been uh, excellent so far. I've, I haven't mm-hmm. read every single thing, but I've read most. I read the major books. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit behind on High Republic. Um, um, read some High Republic adventures. Like everything so far that I've seen has been really really well done and i think um that that collaborates there's so much power in having like you said a a slack group or something uh Mm. (laughs) that you can just uh you know ping somebody and say hey can i do this you know um there's there's so much power 
in, in, in collaboration and, and just having that open line of communication versus mm. kind of, um, again, I don't know how every major writer's room virtual or otherwise works, um, but versus like somebody kind of over here writing something and then over here yeah. writing something, you know, so on and so forth. And then you kind of don't know what they've written until they emerge from the dark room with their, with their yeah. uh, manuscript or, 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 uh, or screenplay or whatever. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it, it seems like a very constantly um, uh, evolving process, a very, a very living process um, for lack of better words. It has to be, it yeah. has to be, you have to be on it all the time because what the flip side of it is that an edit can come through on one project that, has ramifications for something else that the person given the edit doesn't know so um the domino effect is real and can happen very quickly um and so that's the danger of working on something like this you know that we we do we again and we've got to give ourselves um space that if you know if a domino effect does happen that we have the ability to maneuver around it because sometimes things just happen you know, you, you know, you're going to get a story when something just does not work. And because you have to change that, then you have to change something else in another part of, of the universe. Um, and I think that's been the frustration um, for writers of shared universes for, since there's been shared universes. But it's also part of the fun of it. Um, because again, through those moments, you come up with good solutions, you know, and it's... Um, and I, I, I must admit, I enjoy those moments. I enjoy those moments of going, you, you have your initial like, oh, that you turn the uh, blue. Um, and then you go, right, okay, I need to solve this now. Here's a solution. Does that work? Does this one work? And, and you know, that's, that's the fun part of writing for me as well. It's the, uh, especially writing on, and I think it's the same when you're writing your own material and you've had a series that's run, running a long time and you've wrapped yourself up in continuity or you're working mm-hmm. on something, whether that's the Marvel Universe or the Star Wars Universe or the DC Universe, uh, these long established franchises. Um, there's always going to be those moments when you're going to come up against this and you can either just, you know, it could be the wall that, finishes you um or it could be the 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 challenge that keeps you trying to be creative because you you know it's a constant battle you know to keep something that's true to something that's gone before but also make it fresh um and so it's it's a part of the job i really enjoy yeah yeah no absolutely i think i think that's one of the most frustrating and also rewarding parts of writing is uh Mm. when you when you hit a when you hit a wall when you hit something that you're trying to make work doesn't make sense or, or something you have to change, whether it's due to edits or whether it's due to, like you said, if it's your own story, if there's something you discovered that uh, yeah. it, like something you wrote earlier in the plot or, or, you know, already established. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I have a, I have a creator and comic called shadow service, which we're only like, you know, 10 11 issues down the line with and already i've come to a moment of going, Oh, this is a really good idea. If only I hadn't done that in issue three, um and then i'm sort of shaking my fist at past me going why didn't you think of this precise moment in the future that you didn't know was going to happen um and and so uh, yeah i think for any writer if if you're writing a series these moments are going to happen um and you've got to find a way to get to take a step back and um and yeah and work through those those problems that you're going to (laughs) give yourself um you know because let's face it even even the george lucas's of the world 
didn't foresee everything they were going to be writing 20, 30 years before, you know? So it was, it's, and the trick is to put these little, you know, to give yourself enough space to make yourself look really clever later on. Um, But, um, and, and when you are a geek, like, like we obviously are, you know, there is that wonderful moment where something lines up and you see an Easter egg and you realize, and you think, yes, fantastic. Um, So, you know, or when you're writing it, when you're on the other side, you've always got to, you've always got to try and um, try and think about how you make those work. Um, And half the times, you know, it is, it's like writing a mystery to write a true mystery. It's very hard to pants a mystery because um, trust me, I've had, I had to write a Sherlock Holmes novel once and I didn't have time to outline and it was hell Um, because (laughs) to write a good mystery um, in my view, you work out what's happened and then you work backwards, you know, so you work yes. out where you're going to, where you're going to put those clues, you work out what clues you need. And then, you know, so when, when someone reads it, they're thinking this person is a genius because I didn't see that coming, but it's so obvious. Um, that's because you reverse engineered the entire story. Um, and that, that like, you know, you haven't always got that benefit when you're working on a series, but you just leave yourself enough breadcrumbs. Let's face it. George Lucas was a master doing this. Mm-hmm. He had no idea what the Clone Wars were when he wrote New, <laughs> New Hope, you know, and and we saw it in the original trilogy that, you know, I, I love it in the um, Return of the Jedi, making of Return of the Jedi, and there's a transcript of one of his conversations when he's like, Yoda's not a Jedi, you know, and because at that point in his head, Yoda wasn't a Jedi. Yoda right. was, was a person who taught Jedi. And of right. course, later, Yoda becomes a Jedi. And it, But you give yourself the freedom to be able to, you know, when you have a point where you go and so, sorry, spoilers for people who haven't seen the trilogy, when you suddenly realize, oh, right, so Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker because that wasn't the plan. You know, <laughs> right, Anakin right. Skywalker was a separate character. Luke and Leia weren't twins, you know. So, mm-hmm. what Lucas did, he gave himself enough space that he can right. make these changes and make it seem so obvious. Um, because he, because he wasn't trying to tie everything down at every turn. He was just leaving breadcrumbs, which he could then pick up on. Um, and I think that's was, that was his genius as well as so many other parts of his genius, but just that idea that now we look back and we go, oh, well, obviously it was always planned that Darth Vader was, you know, was Luke's father and (laughs) Anakin Scott was like, no, that was not the case. (laughs) Go and read the making of books, read the interviews with with George Lucas. But what, again, this all comes back to the character and the heart. What was central to George Lucas was what Star Wars meant to him and and what it was going to be. And so actually then you could, you could move these characters into places that you didn't expect because actually what they were about was still true to them. Um, and, and we and we bought it, you know, and it was, I still, I would love to know what would have happened if there was Twitter at the time of the original trilogy. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, oh what, goodness. Luke can move things with his mind now, can he? Well, we didn't see that in the last film. Oh, like, no. Um, you know, that's because it was made up for Empire Strikes Back. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, that's why I think when you, I think you've got to look back at these stories that we all love, you know, and see actually there was someone behind there creating and making up and solving problems you know that they created themselves and um, which is all part of the fun of being a writer you have to solve so many problems that past you have thrown into the mix um and the solutions are always better than if you planned it all along yeah absolutely i think i mean i don't i don't know if it's the same for you but i know that when i'm building a story um whether it's building further along like uh either, either further chapters further books or further issues um 
I, I don't know if the story starts to, uh, or, or sometimes it's in edits as well. Um, but I feel like the story becomes ro- more robust the more time you spend with it. So mm. it, what, what, I, what I mean by that is it, out of the gate, you may have a, uh, let's think of something really simple. You may have a character that has, a, I don't know, fire-based powers. I'm, I'm going way yeah. off the top of my head. So, so you have yeah. fire powers, right? But yeah. as you're writing the story, then you decide, oh, okay, well, maybe this this person is, maybe it's not fire that he's controlling. Maybe it's maybe it's something in the atmosphere. Maybe it's um, maybe as a, a certain level of heat control. And then, and then you can go further. You say, "Oh well, maybe he has temperature control." And then that opens up the possibility for him having yeah, you're refining powers, you know. Yeah. Um, so, like what you what you mentioned with Luke, um, I didn't know that, <laughs> but uh, it, with with Luke uh, in, in in Empire, um, moving things, yeah. uh, maybe it was initially just oh, oh Je- maybe Jedi originally just had the Obi Wan kind of mind trick thing, and then yeah. they expanded to from just tele- telepathy or or mind based powers to a telekinetic type powers in hmm. you know um and, and and i think it's important for people to give themselves the room to be able to do that like you know um exactly yeah and that's what coming down so you know that's why outlines are important and and in the sense of you know where you're going so i i find it very hard to go into a story about knowing the ending mm-hmm. um and part of that comes from because i've done a lot of license work and so you have to outline there's no worry about it. Your outlines have to be big and, you know, and they have to be detailed. Um, but again, you've all, I always try and leave space for myself um, within them that I can, I can adapt it as I go. And so, and then when I'm writing my own material, absolutely. I want to know what the end is. I had an editor the other day um, talking about a comic book saying, we don't need to worry about the ending yet. We was, I know we do because <laughs> I can't write a story unless I know what the, the ending is. It might not be the ending we get to, but I need to, it needs to be in the ballpark of the ending we get to, you know, and it, perhaps it's not the most detailed ending, you know, and it, even if the ending is, the hero wins, you know, just take it the most sensible <laughs> or the hero doesn't win. Right. It's the guiding star for your story. You know, when yeah. you know you're writing a story where the, you know, let's say you're writing a story when you know, actually it's a tragedy and the hero is not going to win. That means everything you're writing will be pointing towards that direction. Right. Um, and the, the reader or the listener or the viewer might not know that's where you're going, but that's, you as a, as a creator have to know you don't necessarily have to know how exactly you're going to get there mm-hmm. um i think you need to know the basics of how you're going to get there you need and that's where your five act story structure or your three act story structure and all those different things that's when they're useful that's when they're a good tool again it's another way of saying when you're in the weeds and you don't know where you're going you can take take a step back and go all right there is a structure here that i can follow um as long as it doesn't become just a prescriptive, you know, map. Right, um, right. And I, that's why I think, and that's why I could never be, I know, you know, one of my greatest heroes is Stephen King. And I, I can't imagine what it's like not to know what the end of your story is. You know, he said, he talks about repeatedly, you know, just sort of starting writing and, and not yeah. being a planner, he's a pantser. Like, that terrifies me because <laughs> yes. I can't, I, I need to know a bit of where we're going. <laughs> um, right. And I would be the same. In I'm not the kind of person who can just get in a car and drive. You know, I need to have a plan of how we're going to get there. But I, I don't need to have a plan of knowing exactly what roads I'm going on. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's the same with my storytelling. I need to know a general ending and I will happily change that, move that ending a bit to the right or a bit to the left um, along the way as the story evolves. But I, I, I think it's so vital to know. And we've all seen areas 
where that yeah. hasn't happened in storytelling. Oh, and yeah. we all know how, <laughs> how unsatisfying it is um, because that's when you disappoint people because mm-hmm. you can all, you, you, you're setting up a promise at the beginning of a story. And, and, and actually that promise it's it's not always something you've stated. It's something someone will take out of it and, and perhaps take out of context, but you've still said, I know where we're going. You yeah. know, I'm going to guide you through this. It's not just a random series of events. There yeah. is a, there, there is a structure to this um, because otherwise it's just called life. And we all know what that is. Yeah. Um, and we all experience <laughs> that every day. That's why we go to stories. We want something that has a structure to it, whether that structure is a game, whether that structure is a book, you know, it's like, there is, right. there is a beginning and middle and an end. That's what we're taught at school. It's so important as a writer I think you have to bear that in mind. You haven't got to be hamstrung by it, but you've got to know what it is. So yeah, with the High Republic, we know what the general story is. We are learning on the way how we're going to get there. Um, And and it's the same in everything I do. I need to know what that endpoint is. Um, Again, I come back to something Scott Snyder said, um, where he was first struggling with the idea of that he was the Batman writer. Um, and I think it was Grant Morrison said to him, "Is like you just need to know where your Batman begins and when your Batman ends, mm-hmm. um, and you might not get to that end, but that's what you're aiming towards, and then that that will mean that you can write Batman." And I think that's the same for any story. You just need to know where you're going, um, so you can get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, excellent, excellent advice. Uh, kind of having a north star, um, even if that north star changes you know, uh, moves yeah. to the left or right a little bit <laughs> uh, as, yeah. you're, as you're moving towards it. Uh, I guess I got your perspective changed. I mean, I mean, if you think about an mm. actual star, um, you know, you may think it's in one direction, but as you're, as you're walking in that direction, you may realize it's actually a little bit east, yeah. you know, um, or, a little, yeah. or a little west. And that's why, you know, keep, keep that point, um, not vague, but like big enough that you have, you have moved, movement involved you know don't don't be so narrow focused that mm-hmm. unless your entire story is absolutely based on a twist that you know has got to come you know and that's why you're writing it you've come up with that ending first but even then i say give yourself the freedom to discover along the way because actually you know you never know um outlining can be trouble because you've already told yourself the story and you know and and that's when sometimes writing becomes a drag because you're just going through the motions of getting to from a to b to c to d to e um know where he is but yeah uh, and then work out your path of how you're going to get there yeah certain balance there you need to have uh, yeah the, you structure you, i mean great right of writing is obviously creative um mm. and if you it's kind of funny you're, you're creating even when you're creating the uh, outline you're creating but mm, there, absolutely there, there can be a point where you where you like you you, you kind of you draw the the hard contour lines at the edge of the picture yeah. and then you don't you forget to step out and, and look around outside of those lines uh <laughs> to, to yeah. you know to, to another possibility um and and i think i mean sometimes stepping away from it and coming back to it um it can help with that um to give you different another perspective you, you kind of ask yourself well why did i do that and then, and then you can ask your the, the, the what ifs and then the whys again um yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah 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 so no i think i mean honestly i think that's 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 a l- excellent information um in terms of i mean we talked about character we talked about yeah we some, did some uh some some story like in, implementing those characters in the story structure and then the fun of it the meat of it is really making that make making what the characters are doing in the structure whether it's for the plot or whether it's so you don't um so you don't uh 
bump heads with another writer you're collaborating yeah, with, yeah. Uh, uh, how, how you make them fit in a meaningful way. And then of course that the payoff of that is so, it's so, it's so nice when you figure it out. Like, I don't, the, the, I don't know if there's anything better than the moment of, of, Oh, I got it. You know, I, I, I mm. got how this, I, I, I got what's going to make this work and, and still work mm. alongside either my, something I did it earlier in my story or something that uh, my, my coworker, Coworker, collaborators are um have, are, are doing right now that's yeah and let's face it that's why we do drafts you know we, we yeah. do drafts <laughs> to make ourselves look good you know so <laughs> you know um my early drafts are awful and you know and they're full of holes but you know it's just a case of i need to get that i need to get to the end to see what i need to go back and change you know if i was constantly rewriting rewrite, as i went i'd mm-hmm. never get anywhere you know, so, and it's the same with everything, whether I'm writing a draft in a novel or my first comic drafts are literally dialogue. You know, I, I have a general yeah. like idea of like, this goes, I, I have an outline of what goes on every page in the story. Um, and then I write the dialogue and then I go and back and break it into panels if I'm going to do that kind of description in the, in the text, yeah. in the script. Um, and it's just going back and finessing all the time, but you have to get it down there mm-hmm. um, to know what you've got to fix. Uh, otherwise you're you'll you know you, you'll never you'll never get there i mean one of the bits of story advice i'm sorry writer's advice you're given all the time is to get started but i think one of the biggest um bits of advice of being a working writer and a writer people want to hire is learn how to finish yep. you know because you know it's very easy to start in a lot of ways because all you got to do is start you got to give yourself permission to start which in itself has so many other uh, so many difficulties of actually giving us permission to start writing mm-hmm. a story, but be able to finish stories because that will make you a working writer that people will want to hire because they know you can be trusted to land a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something when you're starting out or when you've been doing it like me for a long time, you have to keep reminding yourself, I need to know where this is going. And I need to know how to land the ending right. because otherwise people are going to come away and not want to read another one because they won't be satisfied. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you're talking about draft real quick. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna uh, swap to a different subject in a moment, based mm-hmm. on something you just said. But I just, I, I just want to make a quick note. What you said about drafts again makes me think about something that was kind of epiphany, an epiphany to me one day. When you're writing your first draft or your second year draft, what you're doing is you're giving yourself like this power. Like it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's really powerful. Like it's, 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 it's insane to me how powerful it is because you're creating a world, yeah. you're creating characters, whatnot, but it's really powerful. Like think about in real, in real life where we're, how many times in real life have we um, done something? And then we gone back and say, man, if only I would have known. Um, oh yeah. Uh, in a story, your first draft, you do know, you literally have the power of hindsight. That is extremely powerful. (laughs) You know, Uh, I mean, maybe it it maybe doesn't apply when you, when you have issues, like you earlier mentioned, you maybe have issue three out and you're issue 13 and you're like, oh man, and it's already out and you can't really change it. Mm. But, um, but it's, but, but in some cases, um, maybe, you know, maybe you're in issue six and issue three isn't out yet and you can still make edits on, you know, Mm. um, or, or, or maybe you're, you're on chapter 50 of your novel and something happens in chapter 20 um that you can go back and you 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 literally have the power of hindsight and that is so yeah i mean that is such i mean it just feels good to get a first draft even if it's bad like i, I try to tell people please please just write it because i promise you the second like the real fun comes in editing for me like <laughs> where you're where you're where you're going over that first draft and you're trying to figure it out like it's you it just so you all of a sudden realize how much power you have um, yeah, I think it's the thing. You, you you finish your first draft and you have that sense of authority. 
sorry, can't speak. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to um, yeah, yeah, a sense of like, yeah, I, I've got to this point, look, I've created, I am, I am a God. Um, and then, then you go back and read the first bit, and you go, I am rubbish. You know, this is awful. Um, and then the more you work through it, the more you realize that, okay, this is how I can start clawing back to Godhood. You know, this is how I can start getting better at what I'm doing. Um, and let's face it, every writer is always, it is a journey and you're, you should be constantly learning and you should be mm-hmm. um, constantly striving to making the, the, your next thing the best um, thing you're doing. And that's, that is the joy of drafting because you can, you're literally, you've got the ability to rewrite history, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to get yourself out of holes um, that you're the one that got, you know, you've got into those holes yourself. You've backed yourself into a corner, then find a way out of them. Um, and yeah, that, that is the, the joy of it. Again, the, the, the thing I would say is don't, spend all your time redrafting so you never finish there has to be a point when you go do you know what i need to say done now um because i need to get it out there i need other and when you're writing a comic there is that point where you just go i can't keep playing because someone has to do their job um Mm -hmm. but when you're a writer writing novels or or whatever um you have to get people to read it because you could just you could keep tweaking and you can keep changing but without someone reading it why are you doing it in the first place so you know it's it's a, that's another but god this entire life we live is a balancing act you know so you have to balance <laughs> between structure and and plot and character and and um getting the work done and and you know, refining the work and then getting to the point when you're going no i've got to stop um and and the only way you do any of these things is by actually living it and and trying it and doing it and and that's that's what makes writing so powerful and so um compelling is that you learn it by doing it um and you've got to start and you've got to finish um and then you've got to move on something else if you you know you want to make a career out of this you just keep moving forward um and all of these things these lessons that you learn along the way will come back for the next story and 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 just like any part of life that experience will push you on to be a better storyteller yeah yeah absolutely um that time spend the time on it i mean i i think i think that's the like we we talked about all the intricacies of it which is why i love doing this podcast um yeah. but that's why it always comes down to what you know when somebody asks that quick question to somebody on twitter or their author they see in person for a second at a con or something and they go just right um all of that is encapsulated in just right <laughs> because you do have to spend a lot of time just doing it. Um, like yeah. what, what we mentioned, all the intricacies of all the balancing, all of the, all of that is it's, it's time consuming and you have to be willing to put the time um, into your craft to, uh, I mean, like yeah. any other thing, what is it? It's 10,000 hours to become a yeah. uh, professional or something or something along yeah, those exactly. lines. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but so it, when, I, when I say just go and write, I, I literally mean, just start you know don't talk about being a writer Mm -hmm. go on get on with it you know and the great (laughs) thing especially with comics you haven't got to ask anyone for permission you can just start writing well to be any part of writing now you can start writing you haven't got to wait for someone to say go on then you know you can just start but then you've got to commit to bringing it to you know to an end as well and and actually knowing when you're going to move it on to something else so um yeah there are so many different aspects of it but you can't finish before you know you can't finish anything if you haven't started right exactly great 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 advice um so one of the last things i want to get into here real mm. quick uh but before we sign off is um so you mentioned that uh before we started that a lot of people um 
often have that question. This, and this is a little bit less on the on the how to in terms of the story itself, and more of the mm. how to in terms of of the professional side in the industry. Um, uh-huh. A very common question is how do you uh, how do you get to write for these large IPs, whether it's Marvel, DC, Star Wars? Mm. Uh, you know, uh, ha- what what is the what does the step look like from from jumping mm. from either your own stuff or you know from being unknown or what, whatever it is to writing for a big IP? Because it seems that that is a very elusive thing. Like you know, it's like I want to write for Star Wars, but and and that's my goal. You know, some some people say that yeah, that's my goal is to write for Star Wars. But um, what does that actually look like uh, transitioning to that? I mean, first of all, never make that your goal because you can't control that goal. You know, uh, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. when you're setting yourself goals, it has to be something you can control. And and to be, say my goal is I want to write Star Wars or I want to write Spider Man or I want to write any of these things, these franchises, someone has to. To that point, someone does have to give you permission. If you want to do it professionally, now you can obviously write fan fiction. And I started writing fan fiction for Doctor Who back in the day when I was a kid. Um, but if you want to write Star Wars, it's usually 9.99999 times out of 10 in invite only situation. You know, someone at Lucasfilm will see you um, and see your other work and see what you've done. Um, for me, it was because I've worked on other things. For other people, it could be like Daniel. Um, Jose Older is because he'd written, um, you know, some award-winning YA novels. And so Mike Seglain at Lucasfilm said, Daniel would be a good fit for Star Wars. And so you are invited then to pitch. Um, it's never a case that you turn up at Lucasfilm headquarters in San Francisco with your Magnus Opus and go, and here is my Star Wars novel, because they won't read it anyway, because it's legally <laughs> something they will never do, right. just in case it, it links up to something they're already doing. So... The thing that I always tell people, and, I'm, and sometimes you see their faces drop, you know, is I, you know, go and write something that's not Star Wars. Um, go and write something that, it, you know, isn't the character that you've spent your life going, I want to write that character. Um, again, start, prove you can tell stories, prove you can finish stories, um, prove that you have a love of storytelling. Um, when you're writing in licensed work, you also have to have a, an understanding of what it's like to work on someone else's property and take notes, you know, and be, and and check your ego at the door, you know? So one of the reasons I started getting into this was I said that I, I worked as a magazine editor and I, so I, I was used to deadlines. I was used to turning around copy very quickly. I was used to getting something out on budget. Um, and that was a transferable skill when you're work for me and those back then working on, on something like Doctor Who, which is where I started. Um, so even though I start, my first published work was a, a Doctor Who audio play, the people who hired me knew I could hit a deadline because they saw, they see my other work. So it's always, you have to have proved yourself, um, which sounds a terrible thing to say because, you know, well, how can I get to that point? Well, just again, start writing. You know, um, don't make it your end goal because you can't control that, whether you're going to get that chance or not. But make your end goal that you're going to learn how to to write, write compelling stories that people want to read um, and learn the joy of writing those stories and pushing through to the end. Um, and you're giving yourself the best chance for someone in that franchise that you love to turn around to you and say, well, give that a go. Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you, you pitch something? Um but that's always the way around it works. It's create art, your own art, um, learn how to do the job, 
um, and then the license work, if that's what you want, might come along. And it sounds really vague to say it might come along, <laughs> right. but you know, there are only so many slots, um, yeah. and it's that's the reality of it. Um, and yeah, learn your craft. You know, be willing to go out there and put the work in um, because you are being given characters that people love. So you need to have the um, the background to know how to handle those mm-hmm. because it's a great responsibility you're being given. It's a responsibility you're being given by the people who own those characters. You know, they, they don't want a disaster on their hands. Um, right, right. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's always a really tough question. It's, it's a question that I, I dread being asked in a lot of ways because <laughs> I know that, you know, half the time it's because, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was write Spider-Man and write Star Wars and that kind of thing. Um, right, right. You know, but, you know, I, I've been writing for 16 years before I got the chance to write Star Wars. You know, it's, um, it's, it is a case of, of putting the work in. Um, and then to be honest, you might even get to the point when you go, I don't really want to watch Star Wars anymore. I want to write my own things, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, it's never make it your, never make it your goal. Um, which I know sounds very easy for someone who spends his days writing Star Wars at the minute. Um, <laughs> but you know, and I know there are thousand and one fans who would kill for the opportunity. And I really appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons I take it so seriously. Um, but yeah, it's, it can't be a goal in, in, in itself. It has to be something you would like to do. But in the meantime, I'm going to write stories. Right. That's the way to get yourself on the road. Yeah, right, right. Good stories. Uh, I've, I've got to ask this because uh, you, you you mentioned it briefly earlier. Um, what are your thoughts on people um, writing fanfic? Or what's, what's your what's your thoughts on fanfic in, in general? I mean, I love fanfic. It's really hard when you're a pro, he says, using the word he hates that <laughs> stuff, but it's the way it is. Um, because I'm not really supposed to read it anymore because yeah. <laughs> um, it gets into all kinds of legal problems. But it's literally where I started. I, I started writing... My first ever fiction was writing Doctor Who fan fiction, pre-internet, pre-everything, you know, when it was photocopied fanzines that people used to print up and staple mm-hmm. and, you know, in the dark days of, of the wilderness years of Doctor Who when it wasn't on telly. And um, so, yeah, it's absolutely where I started. It's really difficult. It's really difficult for writers, actually. I think artists can write fan, to can draw fan pieces and, and get noticed um, because of the problem the legality of, of fan fiction mm-hmm. um when you're writing is really hard to get noticed um right. because they won't open you know they won't open the story so sending a, a fantastic four story to marvel is the best way not to be answered because they can't look at it um and likewise sending a star wars story to a, well, i have loads of times when people just try and that's why one of the reasons my dms are closed on most things because i have to get people just send me stories for star wars and again i can't look at this uh, yeah, um yeah. you know and, and i've got no way of proving i haven't looked at it now so it's really difficult thanks um so it's it's a really hard one um so yeah it's why it's where you quite often see people online saying just don't do it you know um but yeah if you can write a story that can prove that you can write the kind of story that you tell in Star Wars. That's right. that's an easy way to do it. But that doesn't, yeah. So absolutely, you know, write fan fiction, but don't see that as a way to write in it right, professionally. Right. Yeah, because um, it should be a way to giving yourself the joy of writing, which is what it was for me. 
you know, God, I really hope no one ever finds any of those early Doctor Who stories because they're awful. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's the thrill of first seeing my my name in print um, connected to something I love. You know, yeah. so it was first time seeing a story printed that someone had drawn an illustration for, and I was like, wow, that that mm-hmm. exists because I did this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would always support people writing what they want to write. Um, yeah. It depends if you want to make that transition, and me in a transition taking the transition from a fan to a writer in, in in so many ways is is troubling and and you you learn on the job because you know as a, as a star wars writer now i can't go onto twitter and come up with fan theories anymore because yeah. they get quoted on websites i found that out to my cost um, you know and luke's film says this and you go no luke's film didn't i came up with that because i went wouldn't it be fun if um and so yeah. and you see that time and time again with people who are, tra- are transitioning from fans of something to being professionals um i mean this is an entirely different conversation but that's also that's part of writing yeah. it's part of it having a writing career you know because um you sometimes have to remember, well, I can't be that public fan that I used to be about mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I very rarely online say anything negative about something, you know, about something I've watched right. or or read. Um, because A, I know that no one's planned to make something that I won't like, but I just don't. So, you know, that's fine. That's the, that's the way of the world. Um, and also, I don't want it to be taken out of context and, and thrown, in, thrown in someone's face and that kind of thing. So, right. and those things are regularly, you know, regularly um regularly happen um and so yeah it's it's there are so many things that i wish i'd known about becoming a fan especially in this sort of social media age mm-hmm. um who then moved into to writing um because there are so many traps out there <laughs> um and and i see people do things and i'm like no no no, don't do that please please don't do that but then you get you don't want to be the guy suddenly coming in and going no mm-hmm. you have made a mistake because mm-hmm. then you're, you know, you're treading on people. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it is a really tricky time. To make that <laughs> <Right>. Yes. <laughs> the internet, the age of the, and I don't, I don't know if, if it would have been possible back in even the early nineties or the, even the mid nineties to, to guess what the internet would be like. Um, no, the age of social media is just, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, the first time I had a, clickbait article written about one of my tweets when i made up something silly about star wars i was like oh i can't do that anymore can i (laughs) you know i can't (laughs) um and i still you know i still go online and say i like this i like that but again i can't get into arguments i can't get into debate but then you have different means to do that you make sure you have you know, you go back to talking about it with your mates. You know, you you, you go back to doing things like that. You have the private, you have private conversations because you can't do it publicly. You can't do it online because, <laughs> because no, it, it becomes a whole a whole different um, can of worms. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, um, those are things I think as writers we should be talking about as well. How to be a writer in in the in the on the on on social media and, and, and in the modern world we live in because it's just as important as writing how to write books you know it's it's how to to act and, and what to expect when you're out there promoting your books or talking about other people's books or just being a figure online because when you become a writer that's what you want to be you you know people say i'm a writer you you it defines who you are i have written this book mm-hmm. um i've written this play i've written this screenplay i've written this comic um, well, from that point on, anything you say is going to be taken with that um, identity already out there. So um, it's tricky. It's really hard at times. 
Yeah. 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 I think, uh, yeah, I think if you're any kind of figure online, <laughs> it's uh, the most innocuous things or what you think may be the most innocuous thing can blow up into something else. And it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, like, maybe I should be, careful. maybe I'll just shut up next time. <laughs> <laughs> but then they were all fans and it's really hard to sit on your hands when you want to say something. Right. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. but I guess in terms of, in terms of fanfic, I like, I, I think uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, writing fanfic could be good, um, uh, but also write your own thing. I, I, I'm a big proponent of writing your own thing as well. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's certain, at a certain level in writing. Um, I, I think maybe when you're starting out, um, like if you're just writing fanfic, you know, it's fine. You're, you know, but I think at a certain level you're writing, I think you should all, always be writing kind of your own, your own thing, even if you're writing fanfic also on the side. I feel like if you're writing fanfic, your fanfic should be your version of whatever it is. Right. I think that's the thing that I would say. If you're going to, if you want to write fanfic and there is nothing wrong with it, you know, and and if that's your aim, what you want to do, don't just make it a carbon copy of what's already out there. Add something, you know. So, and and for a fan, if you're a writer who writes fanfic and you don't like something about your favorite franchise, that's the best way to go, well, I didn't like that. So, this is how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that's really great training. So I think when I was first starting out writing licensed fiction, I was so worried about something feeling like it should be a missing episode of something, or it should be, you know, especially when you write something like Doctor Who, when you're writing for past doctors, I felt, you know, I got really obsessed with it. It had to feel like it was a sick doctor story. Um, and it was, so a lot of my early stuff felt like that. And it was a note I got on, on, on reviews and things, you know, some people love that, but I think you, you then need to start exploring it because those stories already exist. What people then want is your version of something, you know, and what you can bring to it. So if you're starting out with fan fiction, think about that as well. Think about what you can bring into the story that makes it your version of Doctor Who or Spider-Man or Star Wars or Superman. Um, You know, what makes yours stand out? Because again, the internet is full of fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want people to come back and read your stuff because largely that's why we write is that we want people to read it um so so yeah if you're going to do fan fiction go for it fill your boots make sure (laughs) it's your fan fiction right yeah yeah i think that's definitely good advice um but uh yeah i mean wow we've covered a lot uh (laughs) i think i mean incredible insightful conversation um like thank you yeah 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 i mean like yeah, we 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 we've we've gone from from character to structure. I mean, I mean the the character portion is probably some of the best stuff. Um, so the the question of why, I think I, want, yeah. I really I really want to highlight that again. It's the question behind the what. What if is important. That's like kind of your you know your starting point, right? But uh, the the why is is what really really uh, uh makes your story bloom or your characters bloom. Uh, well, both really. I mean, character and plot are in, are in the weeds with one another. Um, yeah, uh, th- that that makes your that that really makes your story bloom into something that people really can connect to. Um, and 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 then and then of course, um, moving on to the to the to getting into IP. I, I think writing your own, like like proving yourself in the craft and and and, and, mm. and exploring your craft and and, and improving um, your own skills is is uh, is the way to go as well. Um, um that being said uh do you have any other kind of final thoughts uh 
final pieces of advice or or things to to avoid uh, or or anything Any, anything you want to say to to writers that are on their journey out there. Um, I'm probably sure they're already sick of my voice by now, but um, I just think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's just come back. It's, it's that thing of um, be true to what you want to do. You know, try to tell a story that only you can tell, even if you're telling it in a, in, in a shared universe or somewhere else. You know, don't try and be someone else. Um, and I think that's the same for all of us online. You know, we, we, we can try and we look at other people's careers and we say, I want that career. Um, but you've got to try and make it your career. You can't just be a carbon copy of someone else. Um, and likewise with your stories, if you what you know what you love, um, and you know what you love reading or watching or, or anything, but you can already get that somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So try and work out what you can bring to it. So if you want to write, there are a thousand one zombie movies. Um, if you want to write a zombie movie, don't just rewrite what Romero did, you know, don't, don't ju- just do what Romero did, do your own version. And it, and that's when you get things like the walking dead, you yeah. know, that's where, you know, you get, um, you get Shaun of the dead, which is oh, when Shaun of structure. The Shaun of the dead has some of the best structure and foreshadowing in, in any film. That is um, my favorite zombie movie. <laughs> listen to all of the dialogue and you're, you're in the first act and you'll find out how those characters die in the last because it's it's there in the dialogue. Um, And so, yeah, all the people who who pushed that that genre to focus on zombies for a minute forward (laughs) did what they wanted, you know. Actually, Romero did it right at the beginning. He created the genre, you know, and then all of those characters, all those those stories have pushed the genre into a different way. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to think about what can I add? What is my zombie story what is my star wars story what is my rom-com you know it not just duplicating what you've seen before um but actually saying what can i add to this yeah 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 that honestly that that's very true i mean every every zombie story has its has its own take i mean uh get world war z's very uh like the documentary well the book mm. is, has like kind of like these these yeah. entries um going on um obviously you've got what, what is it what stars um oh resident evil of course the game yeah, yeah. um you've got yeah uh, you've got you've got that the way that scientific outbreak kind of kind of came across mm. you know you've got uh uh um oh it's i'm blanking on it uh one of the films is playing, oh train of busan um mm. where, where, you, where you get a more emotional take um yeah you know on a, on a zombie film like like yeah, I think I think it's a lot of it is, is the way you approach it. We I, I do a writer's chat every week, you know, on Wednesday on Twitter via Twitter Spaces. Um, and it one of our last topics we we talked about. Um, well, how do you, how do you feel like you're like not stealing a story, and how do you how do you write a new story if everything's already been done? You know, the, the comment of oh yeah. everything's there's nothing new under the sun. And um, one of the things that got brought up by myself and several other writers that were in the chat were well, it's it's the way you approach it. It's yeah. it's it's what you it's your twist and your you know uh how it's, it's it's all about the angle that you come at this thing from so like you're yeah. mentioning zombies you, you, there's a billion angles to come at a zombie movie from it depends on how you how you approach it um, yeah, exactly um what can you what what makes it your story right right exactly exactly um but uh but yeah uh, again we've um excellent conversation really appreciate yeah, it's you coming on 
uh, <laughs> uh, really fun, really insightful. Um, uh, I wanted, I wanted to um, see. Uh, can Can you tell people? Uh, well, first of all, what, as far as what you can tell, uh, what, what what books you have out now, um, uh, books, comics, whatever uh, you have out now, what people can expect to see, and then um, where people can find you at on social media. Sure. Well, if you like um, my Star Wars work, um, th- I'm still writing the High Republic uh, Marvel comic, ongoing comic, every month. Um, I've recently had so many books coming out in the High Republic. So I've had The Rising Storm, um, and then I had Tempest Runner, which was an audio play. It just seems to have been one after another recently. Um, and then another, uh, on the flip side of this, I co-wrote with one of, one of my friends, um, The Life Day Treasury, which is wireless... Well, the High Republic is high danger, high high drama. Um, Life of the Treasury is a anthology of sometimes whimsical, sometimes scary, festive stories set within the Star Wars universe. So that that sort of like sums up everything I've been doing with Star Wars. Um, from my work personally, um, I have a series called Shadow Service, which is a supernatural horror spy comic, which comes from Vault Comics. We're in a sort of middle of a hiatus at the minute, and then it will be coming back early next year for the next arc. We're working on that right now. Nice. Um, other than that, yeah, the best place to go is either my website at kevinscott.com or to find me on Twitter at kevinscott. Um, and, yeah, I'll be um, talking about some of the stuff that's coming soon, hopefully, on both of those sites. Oh, very nice. Very, very nice. And of course you can call, uh, I'm sorry, ooh, call. <laughs> you can find, <laughs> of course you can find uh, the uh, Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast on all major podcast networks. Uh, look it up on Google or go to fourthwall.net. That's I-P-W-A-L-L.net. Um, listen to podcasts with uh, myself talking about writer and uh, most of the, uh, sorry, talk about writing and as well as uh, me talking with uh, other writers about uh, different topics uh, like, like we did on this episode. So um, yeah, uh, Kevin, again, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we will catch everybody next time. Peace out. We'll be right back.